Hazard Internet, and welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. How's it going, Al? All right, and you, Mr. Modlin, missed you today? Yes, I'm working hard. I uh, took Monday off, so I got a lack of long weekend. Fortunately, it means not quite as much work got done on the projects as otherwise would have, so got to push to make up the time. Yeah, I saw I saw Troy this morning at the Nintex Inspirex Roadshow, so it's good catching up with him, and he's got a new hooey, whatever the hooey, uh, Mate 9, monstrous phone, 5.9 inches of what looks like an iPhone 7 Plus. That sounds very cool. So, this week on the show, uh, I think it was beginning of the year, I wrote a post on uh, one of the medium publications called The People vs. Yammer, and I got my ass and every other body part handed to me, all chopped up like sushi, um, about how I could possibly speak about Yammer like that. And so the relationship started with the real Yammer people, um, the ones that actually make enterprise social work, and we've managed to get two out of the three on the show. So I'd like to introduce Melanie Hohertz, I think that's how you pronounce her surname, and Becky Beneshek. Um, we're missing the third amigo, um, Amy, who couldn't make it today, but we've got both of them on the show, so uh, welcome. And this week's show... We've got some interesting people on it. Uh, we're missing one person who couldn't get here in time, but we've got the other two uh, lovely people. Uh, I've got to be so politically correct in introducing everyone. <laughs> but this week, after, and, and we'll talk about the interesting introduction into knowing these two lovely ladies on the show. I've got Becky and Melanie from somewhere in the US on the show, and they're both Yammer MVPs. And I think that just starts the tone of the entire conversation. Welcome, ladies. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, well, sir, and I will be so disappointed if you're politically correct. I, I, look, I'm being nice. Um, it's, it's that wasn't part. what I was led to believe. <laughs> uh, oh well. uh, uh, you're talking, are we going to jump immediately into that even before people know who you are and where you're from? So oh, all right, you're I right. Think, okay. Becky, let's start with you um, before we hand over the uh, official mic to, to Mal about where you come from, what you do. I see you're an author as well and not a, a recreational IT author either. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Never say anything to Alistair. That is my first lesson. Um, but, no, I'm, well, I'm Becky. I work at the Crisis Prevention Institute. We're headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, USA. I'm the social media and community manager for the entire company. And what that means is I manage all the external accounts, the Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitters, and then private online communities using Yammer. So I've had the great good fortune to be doing this kind of stuff for about seven years. Uh, this year, I was really honored to become a second-year Microsoft MVP for what I do. And um, I kind of got here from being an English major to just doing a lot of marketing and some IT stuff. And suddenly, here I am with Yammer Communities at my fingertips, and it's absolutely awesome. And we had, and the author thing, that's new this year as well. I've always wanted to be a writer, and so I've been writing things. Now I'm an author. I've got stuff out on Amazon. It's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, that's all your Facebook profile says. Click the Amazon link, and it takes you to two <laughs> books. Um, what are the books about? 
They're both children's stories. I, I tend to anthropomorphize everything. So one's about a, a snail called Sydney who's really, really super bored. And he kind of wants to just snail out of town, his town of Slipperyville. <laughs> and um, he gets some wise advice from an older snail saying, why don't you just take another look around? You never know what you're going to find. And he's like, fine. But what's cool about it is... Um, it, it kind of what I'm hoping it shows children and adults is that, you know, we, we kind of live in a world where we're really inundated with a lot of stuff coming at us. And you think, how can you be bored? But the thing is, we kind of take a passive role toward it. We're just sitting back and letting it come at us. We're not actively choosing what we want to do. That's why people get bored. If you take a look around at your immediate world, you may find some things that surprise you. So that's one of them. And the other one's another children's book about a guinea pig who thinks he's a doctor. And he has a very good reason. For thinking okay. this. It's, it's, it's very out, out of the box, towards all sort of stuff. Is it all? <laughs> I don't read. Uh, let me just put it up there. <laughs> okay. I think that's enough from you, Becky. Mal, can, you, can I call you Mal or do I have to like, pronounce your entire name? Of course name? you can call me Mal. You know, it, that's probably the politest thing you've called me since we met <laughs> each other. Uh, I'm online communications lead at Cargill Incorporated. Uh, we are a global company. Um, and I am, however, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. Like Becky, I was part of the freshman class of Yammer MVPs, and I own rollout, adoption, governance, value realization, not only for our Yammer social collaboration network, but also our SpreadFest social media management platform. Um, however, that SpreadFest part of my role is very new, and what I'm really primarily known for is actually launching and growing our Yammer Collaboration Network, which as of today is over 35,000 opt-in members, which is more than half of our available um, email-enabled user base um, in Cargill, even though we're going to try to look beyond that at some point and once we establish digital identity for those who are not email-enabled. And for the last rolling 12 months in my network, we've had more than 122,000 trackable clicks per month. So um, anytime I see a blog or anything that says Yammer is dead, I do tend to take it a bit on the personal side. So, um, so my, my, yeah. my other question is you, you don't do any sort of social media for um, mountain goats? Is that the No, I do not. I, that's, that's a travesty, though. It's a travesty. <laughs> you know what, Alistair? One of these times I'm going to bring you over to the U.S. when they're touring, and you're going to understand what you've been missing out in life. So um, I, I also support online initiatives for Cargill Corporate Affairs. We've had a recent rollout of our new digital workspace where we're finally integrating some of our social and our, our real daily use of apps and platforms into the intranet, GASP, and uh, other intranet migrations. So that's how I stay busy and mostly out of trouble. And do you see yourself <laughs> as a recreational IT user like Becky does? I mean, this, I, my background has changed communication and education. I mean, I've been in that space for over 20 years, and there is nothing funnier in the world than me being named um, a Microsoft MVP. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it is intrinsically hilarious. Yes. I don't think so. Hey, the role uh, oh. we, sp we spoke about, and this is a long time coming, um, we spoke a mate of mine, Mark Lenferner. He started transitioning into business consulting. 
but utilizing the Microsoft technology space. And he's actually a hardcore developer and he moved into more sort of BA type work. And he spearheaded the whole concept in South Africa of a, a business consultant. And it's difficult because you've got the strong world, I'm a C-sharp or I'm a Xamarin MVP. And um, that's traditionally where the whole culture of MVPs come from. Ah, you're an IT pro. You know how to configure SharePoint with PowerShell. Um, okay, that is your technical um, bits around it. So you qualify to become an MVP. But Microsoft's moved way past that. And they started this probably about five, six years ago, looking at the, the real value. Because what I do on a technical side does not compare. You can't measure that. You measure it in uptime on a server, and that's not entirely my um, – that's not entirely the reason. I'm not the reason for that. I mean, you've got platforms like VMware and the virtualization stack that actually does that. But the real tangibility, which is where Microsoft has finally gotten to, thank God, <laughs> um, they finally got into a stage where they actually said, well – what do we lack and what have we been lacking since the beginning of time? Oh, user adoption. That white space that we say, well, we sold so many seats. Um, and then we say, well, so you've got how many Office 365 tenants? Okay, pick a number between 1 and 10. And out of them, how many of them are actually using SharePoint Online or even know what it is? And the number is usually 0.5. So... The real value for us and Microsoft seeing it, we've seen quite a big drive in South Africa around this, is exactly what you do, both of you. And that's the values, change management, user adoption, uh, governance, all of all of those things that used to be intangible is now tangible because you spend a million, two million, three million dollars on a product and six months later, it's a white elephant and no one uses it and no one can understand why. And then Microsoft throws their toys because no one wants to pay for the licenses anymore. And we get into this vicious circle. So I, I completely, yes, it was funny saying recreational IT. But the real value proposition comes from you ladies, not from us techies. Well, then we got to take that well, turn you know, and own it. I mean, I get what you're saying. I really, I, mean, I, like, I like how you presented it. I think we use it. We don't, I don't think either of us see it as an absence of something, though. It's just... You know, it's shorthand in a way, maybe, and maybe it shouldn't be anymore. But I, I don't see it as a detriment to what we do that term. Look, I did fix a Skype issue we had earlier on, so I suppose that you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Anyhow, our well, listeners. Just adding, adding on to what you were saying, this is something where, um, you know, Cargill is not, uh, by its historical nature, a technology company. Our, our roots are in grain trading, although we are in, you know, many diversified industries, including financial products and other things that you wouldn't expect from us. But there has been a new realization simply within the last two years, I would say, this is still very fresh and recent, that any company right now that does not regard itself as a technology company, even if that's never made an appearance in their core competency before, is going to be at a competitive disadvantage. So um, they are encouraging every employee in our business to think of themselves as, you know, essentially as a technology company employee. And what does that mean for your work processes and for your key performance indicators? Uh, I've got a I've got a friend uh, down in Cape Town because I'm in Johannesburg, and he phoned me up and he wanted to automate a, a mortuary booking system, and that was new. So I said to him, well, "How does it work?" Oh, they've got a hundred um, pigeonholes, which were where bodies go into. So you wanted to automate that. So yeah, even the death have to think about becoming a a, a digital organization. 
Bring out your dad app. <laughs> That's a good segue, actually. <laughs> All right, ladies, the reason why you are here, very important. We want to talk about um, that blue drink that most people get given at Microsoft conferences. Um, and, yeah, well, I don't know if they're still doing it. I haven't seen it for a while. It, it's like the, the cult of the dead car or something. It's not mountain goats, but it's um, a little bit better. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, let's talk about enterprise social. I think let's start there before we uh, delve into the actual product. And, and um, uh, I want to talk about enterprise social, really. So both of you ladies were introduced to the concept of enterprise social. or um, Were you born with enterprise social or how did you get into <laughs> enterprise social? Because millennials right now get born straight into it. Um, th- at three, they've got a phone. At five, they're downloading their own apps. And by eight, they've got a YouTube channel. Well, I always like to say we were born at exactly the right time. Um, I'm not sure about you, Mel, but I know that when I was growing up, all the new technology was coming in. You know, I had a Commodore 64 that I learned how to program on at age seven. And then, you know, we always had all the new gadgets in the house. And it's just everything just as it unfolds up to and including and past social media and then enterprise social networks. It just kind of seems natural. So I wasn't born, you know, with any knowledge of how to do it, but it just... I, you know, when I look back at my career path, it's like, oh yeah, of course I ended up here, even though at the time it didn't, I would never have envisioned anything like this. Um, and then, of course, the trick then is to how to make it work for your company culture, which may still be back in that kind of, well, we don't need this, you know, we have, we have email and, you know, all of that kind of mentality. Okay. Mal, your comments? Yeah, so the, the, you know, I could go in a million directions on here, but it's really one of my, <laughs> I'm older than both you all, I can just say it, okay? <laughs> oh, Mel. <laughs> I, tend to think, I tend to think that this whole millennials are inherently social is both true and false. In other words, this is something people throw out there, but they don't think about the new, like the nuance of what they're saying. So yes, every person that I know in the late teens and early 20s has a million apps on their phone, and they are disclosing um, every last detail about their life into a variety of platforms. Does that mean that they are truly equipped to um, to essentially have the skill set of working out loud in the business environment? And I would say no. They are just as cautious, just as scared, just as unskilled as your average 50-year-old employee when it comes to working out loud in, an, you know, in a corporate enterprise social network because often that requires a level of vulnerability of actually going into a corporate platform and saying, hey, I don't think I have the answer to this or I may need help with this or who has what I need. That's vulnerable. And the ability to write a crisp status update that is ideal for pickup so that people can not only maybe help you, but maybe be helped by you so that we can lift and shift a solution from one part of the company to another part of the company. I mean, these are real skills. And if you're telling me that millennials are born with these, no, I'm already shaking my head. And <laughs> you're right. It's, it's you that know, difference between. I've talked about, hey, Bex, and then I'm going to give you the microphone here. Is one of the things enterprise social networks do is they bring out crazy extroverted conversational skills like what you're hearing from Becky or from me. It's a different channel that brings out a different side of your personality. And I'm a flippin' introvert. And I think Becky identifies that way too, don't you, dear? So um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Introvert. Um, how many different colors, Mal, do you have in your hair right now? 
has nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, 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 no. She said introvert. Typically, introverts don't go and put um, us men we see in 32k color. You ladies see in 16 million colors. So oh my goodness. That's a like a turquoisey sort of teal color in your hair. So when you say introvert, it's very difficult to look at your profile pic on Facebook and go, mm, yes, very emo. She doesn't leave the house. <laughs> That's not what introvert is. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, we're going to add to that later. That's an another podcast. An introvert, it loses energy with social interaction. And it means that we're going to need to recharge or we may abruptly walk away from your conversation because we're just overwhelmed. And an extrovert gains energy from social interaction. So introverts, people that we tend to think of as introverts or emo or homebound, it's just, you know what, you put an enterprise social network in front of them where they can just interact with the rest of the world through text, through typing, we're golden. Yeah, but that, that's but that's that's the whole crux of, of in real life. So back in our days, Mel, because we roughly <laughs> the same age, um, I consider myself as a, not a day older than 29. So you should be 27 if I factored the numbers incorrectly. So <laughs> we used to use IRC. And that just, oh, yeah. you, you took the introvert out of the introvert. Um, and I suppose that's where the first social network started. Um, back in, well, shit, if I have to divulge, um, in the old days you had bulletin board services. So mm -hmm. um, for me, Enterprise Social, uh, Christian Buckley is, is probably the largest uh, voice out there. Um, and he's been singing the Enterprise Social gospel, not from a, product perspective, but more from a collaborative ecosystem perspective for the better part of 10 years, and it's, it's finally gaining momentum, um, which I'm really excited about. And um, We've got all these tooling, but it's it's still the same thing. So, coming back to the original question, enterprise social, um, take Yammer off the table. Man. There's a whole bunch right. of different products. Huh? Do you think that if you got exposed to not Yammer, um, would you still see the same excitement that you have? Because Microsoft's really, really sexy, though, you have to admit. Uh, I'd say no, because uh, we did have a not Yammer when I started in this company that did not work for for us at all. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't we didn't know about Yammer at the time, though, so we were kind of like stuck trying to get that thing to work and – it just wasn't. But we learned a heck of a lot about what not to do so that when Yammer did come around for us, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is what we need. So so I guess kind of is my answer to your question. Okay. Well, Becky, you know, I'm going to encourage you to say a little more about that because partly, you know, the whole reason, you know, that, that you are such a standout as a Yammer MVP is because you have built your employee social community as having such a plug-in to the external community and need. Yeah, hon, you got to say more. <laughs> so I should talk about our customer base first. So um, what we do, Crisis Prevention Institute, we, we're, we're a training company. We're pretty small still. We're still under like 250, I think. And maybe 38 or so of us are trainers that go all over the place. And we train about, let's see, I think we're up to 30,000 customers now worldwide. All about person-centered care, safe outcomes for everybody. I mean, we're talking if you've got agitated patients in the emergency department, child with special needs, um, client in late-stage dementia who keeps saying they want to go home, you know, things uh, things like that. And then in turn, 
we are trained the trainer model, so then those people we train train their staff. So when I when I saw that Yammer we should try to use Yammer for our company. It was an interesting thing with our culture because we are so person-centered here. We are the type that if we send an email, we'll probably walk over to your cube and say, did you get my email? You know, or if somebody calls in, we answer the phone by the second ring maximum. It's, we still have a fax machine. There's a typewriter floating around. You know, the fact that this works in our culture here to begin with was awesome and, and just phenomenal. But of course, did all the due diligence because thanks to people like Mel who did this before I did and say, all right, you need your use cases. You need to give the whys, you know, make it a party, give them a scavenger honey, all this stuff that made it work. And it's because of that. I thought, well, heck, I can just make a Yammer external network. Let's just see our current community, which is based on our Kentico website, wasn't working for a variety of very good reasons. Um, and so here's Yammer and we already have it because we have office 365. There's, you know, no extra cost or anything. But then looking at our customer base, I mean, these people, so these people are, there's 30,000 of them training their staff. They're busy helping people. They're busy saving lives. We, we hear their stories all the time. Only about 5% of them actually do our training program as their sole job. Everyone else has to fit it in and to make sure their staff has time to take, you know, and make sure they get all the qualifications. So these people are busy. Would they even want to be on an online community? And the crazy thing is, is yes, they are. And it's working tremendously, and it's because we gave them the why. This is, we build it as professional development network. We, you know, we did start out saying it's like a social, you know, networking thing, but that, that didn't work too well at first because people get that stigma. They think it's Facebook, Twitter, time-wasting, bosses don't like it. So, like, all right, professional development network, exchange your tough training challenges. Share your tips. Help people who have just become trained or new instructors. You know, we've got we've got tons of things. Along the way, find people to do what you do. That's actually secondary. That part of the networking, that just kind of happens organically. And we're keeping it entirely opt-in. You want to be here and you have time to be here? That's what we want to. And that's why we have consistent 30% engagement month after month. And, you know, our numbers are not that high for uh, membership yet because of the opt-in. And we have to remember what happens offline is reflected online. We have a cyclical business. Education's our biggest market. In the summer, no one's around. Holidays, nobody's around. We're going to expect a lull. It happens, but we know they're going to come back. And it's, I just, I absolutely love it because what's happening is, you know, we're trying not to be all big brother about it. And, you know, we, we help where we can. We have a, uh, we have a policy for a network so that we're not jumping in. The whole company isn't jumping in and saying, I can help with this question. Like, no, you wait. You know, let the other instructors <laughs> answer this instructor. But they're telling us their stories without even thinking they're telling stories. They're helping us shape our products without saying, hey, you know, I need this product from you. It's just by how they're, the challenges that they're presenting to us. So this is, so this great I, just, tangible I love Yammer. Value, <laughs> yeah. or, well, this great tangible value um, in building an enterprise social network, uh, specifically yeah. for your business model and, and untapping that actual intrinsic components to people wanting to share. I suppose I wouldn't necessarily, and it also boils down to the business. So if you are in a really competitive sort of smaller investment or hedge fund company, and being competitive, you wouldn't necessarily want to share your the IP that you've generated. Whereas in your case, Sharing information is really where the value is, and for the most part, a lot of companies don't think that way. And Mel, on your side, 
I can't even remember what the question was oh, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, no, the, question, the question was, hey, if you were if you were exposed to an employee social network that was not Yammer, would you have been equally excited about its prospect? Is that fair to say? Yes, that was the question. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the the thing is, is I, I want to realistically ask, um, how many companies out there at this point have only one employee social network? Because the ones that I'm talking to are often dealing with, because of the pop-up of what you call recreational IT, you know, um, most of the companies that I talk to that are considering something like Yammer as a possible unifying social solution across well, the company well, I, I are, are receiving a laundry list of tools already in-house that uh, are just fragmenting the conversation. That's called shadow IT, not recreational IT. Oh, dear. my goodness. <laughs> that's shadow <laughs> IT. <laughs> Bring your own network. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Cargill's original Yammer network was shadow IT. It was um, Yammer, you know, back when you could get the freemium model and employees could spin up a network before a company realized what was going on. And then they'd offer a company, you know, some kind of an expensive contract to basically go out there and rescue all the company content that had already been put on their servers. We used to call it a ransomware model, right? So the thing is, Cargill had Yammer. We had it for almost a year, just founded by a couple of employees, and it was doing nothing but growing. And then uh, there was a serious look-see at it by Enterprise Architecture to say, hey, what's going on with the files uploaded there? And we didn't like the price of the contract they offered us, so we killed it. And then employees inside Cargill started up a countdown clock to how many days it had been since they had access to a collaborative solution. <laughs> so what happened was after a year, we, you know, we collected all of the possible, you know, um, all of the business case that we had for the solution and all of our metrics, we put out a request for proposal. We looked at three different platforms as finalists when they sent in proposals. And what did we do? We picked Yammer again, which made for a hellacious selling situation because here I was having to go out to people and were they excited that Yammer's back? No, they just said, why should I put my stuff out there? You're just going to kill it again. (laughs) The thing is, the thing with Yammer is, when they brought me in to roll it out, they told me this was a three-month assignment. Stand it up, be done. And, and this is the way most companies tend to think about rollout of technology platforms. I mean, isn't this just always the way of it? They think that you deliver it, you hand it over, you say, here's the keys, and then you watch them drive it off the lot, and everyone lives happily ever after. And now I've been managing this network for more than three years, and we have seen so much change. I mean, sure, people like to say, hey, Yammer sat on its hands for two years after, you know, Microsoft bought it. Microsoft bought Yammer like six months after we signed our contract. And for the first 15 minutes, we just wanted to shoot ourselves in the head. We're like, oh, man. And then we looked at the possible integrations here. And let's just say that for those of us who've been in this game for three years now, those integrations have been hella slow to arrive. That's the sucky, sucky bit, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, is as of a couple weeks ago, our Yammer network is finally Office 365 provisioned. And that right there, I know, I mean, this who would have known that that was so complicated? And finally, guess what? I've got edit posts in my interface. I mean, how many times, Becky, did we hear that that was impossible? Oh, many, (laughs) many times. Well, well, Steve gave us, I saw you, you, you were running around with Steve in the last two days, Mel. Oh, Steve just visited. You know Steve's ex-Cargill, right? 
No. Okay, it's, it's all starting to make sense now. Oh, all know, starting to make sense. Shadow IT, get to the front of that first shadow IT. <laughs> all that making sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. No, no. I see the glue now. I see the glue. Anyhow, so, so. the thing is that you're part of one of those companies that has six different employee social collaboration solutions floating around because someone went for base camp and some business unit over here went jive. And guess what? You know, uh, in Salesforce, you got chatter and in SAP, you've got jam. I'm talking to an increasing number of central corporate IT owners who are basically saying we're looking at bringing in Yammer, and why throw one more on the pile? It's because we recognize the unique value proposition to a company-wide social network, which is a unique value proposition. And I'm really resisting the Lord of the Rings, one ring to in the dark to find them kind of thing. Okay. Anyhow, yeah. moving along swiftly, let's cool. let's, <laughs> let, let's ask some some really difficult questions. So, ladies, uh, Microsoft uh, went uh, generally available with this new crazy product called uh, Teams. What is your take on that? On Teams? I mean, how does it impact what you're doing with Yammer? Um, when Teams was introduced last year, everyone at the MVP summit was going, so what do you want us to do with Teams? Because it's bad enough that we have planner and groups and Yammer, and now you give us Teams and we don't know where to put our content. Can we not just continue using Slack? Yeah. Uh, well, I can give the short answer uh, first, and we, uh, we haven't turned it on. Over to you, Mel. <laughs> yes, you haven't turned is it? Is it some? But Beck, you go first, because man, I'm 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 basically just you know I, I'm going to try and, and work up my diplomatic urges. Go for it. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we just decided with our business model and our culture that just having what we have right now, which is just Yammer, is fine. Uh, do you have um, SharePoint? Yeah. You know, we haven't. It's been a really cautious rollout. The we still call it the new SharePoint because we still have our existing old intranet. I've dabbled around in it, but. Um, Again, that's I, you know, I'm I'm in marketing. That is actually an IT decision, even though I work closely it's with an IT team. decision. Okay, and I, it's I loved, so true though. I loved it's everything you just said up until now. <laughs> uh, SharePoint that, is not an IT decision, uh, but that's a separate conversation. No, in in our business model though, it it works out great. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of training to do still, and there's a lot of other things that took priority. But it is out there if someone wants to dabble in it and stuff. I have. Um, other people built team sites, and you know what, what's happening right now. Everyone's more more excited the fact that we can hook everything up to OneDrive in our employee network. So, <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think from a maturity perspective, now that the dust is settled, uh, it's taken a while for Microsoft to settle the dust with Yammer. I mean, in the beginning, they were just driving the uh, Yamatini chariots around everywhere, um, kicking up a lot of dust. Uh, I think that's why, for the most part, us um, non-recreational um, IT people um, <laughs> um, had an issue with Yammer. I mean, we've, we've got to touch that. Um, um, you've seen my T-shirts. You've seen my blog posts. Um, well, I know Mal has, and um, that's the reason why we're on this call. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's almost like you guys, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I, I understand that there was some bad behavior and overly aggressive push of Yammer early on. And, yes, I would be just as pissed as you, Alistair, at a blue Yammer teeny if that was the only drink available at an event. <laughs> but the thing is, is that at some point, 
y'all got to just kind of widen the frame and say, okay, this is a couple of years ago and, and get over some of the personal history. No, I completely, completely is, say that. I completely say that. Um, and, and, look, and, and you look awesome in your Yammer t-shirts, man. Look, I, I believe that 2017 is the year of Yammer being cool again. Um, our uh, industry insider on the podcast, the real Francois Pinot, um, made that as one of his top five predictions for the year. Um, I, I see it coming. Um, I, I have opinions that we won't voice on this call right now. Um, you've seen, you've seen my opinions. Um, not my opinions, uh, my, my contextualized, um, commentary. Let's call it that. Uh, for the most part. I want to get back to Yammer. So lots of new things coming for Yammer. Um, you mentioned something about editing posts and all of those things, which you know, people throw it around as, oh, well, we've been asking this for two years, but I'm glad that, that um, someone at Microsoft decided to put the mature or the adult hat on and start actually addressing uh, what the non-Yammer people um, wanted out of Yammer. Um, it's a safer option to say that. But I, I really think that from from my exposure to Yammer, um, the, uh, the only thing I dislike about it currently is the user experience, which is still god awful. Um, okay, wait. That's the whole thing. Say what? So, so what part of it was driving you crazy? I missed that. The user experience. Oh, oh, just the entire user experience. That's all. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Uh, that's Everything. All, that's all there. Look, I understand the functionality works great, and um, you give everyone a soapbox to stand on, and they can raw, 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 beat the chest, and uh, there's great empowerment in, in that. But I, I'm still of the opinion that if you don't have people like yourselves involved in any enterprise social initiatives, it doesn't matter about the product. Product means nothing. You need people like yourselves. Okay. Well, all right. Hang on a second here, Alistair. I remember – Reading once, okay, and 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 here I'm going to be um un, I'm going to be unfair because well no I'm not going to be unfair Jeremy Fake can defend himself I remember getting into it a little bit on meeting with Jeremy Fake because I believe he I believe he actually wrote a sentence very similar to this which was about Yammer you know just like what you just said is Yammer needs those champions or it can't you know it can't survive it can't thrive it won't I get didn't anywhere. say well, Yammer I didn't mention Yammer I said do you really think that's any different for SharePoint? That when people have installed SharePoint, they just tossed it over the hedge and everyone grabbed it and loved it and used it beautifully yes. and we didn't end SharePoint. up with an entire SharePoint. world of the equivalent of hoarder houses where people actually used it or else it wasn't just roundly ignored elsewhere. This is something where you show me a technology solution that, you know, that, that people really just adopt for work purposes that requires no champions, that requires no resources, that requires no governance in order to achieve value realization. This is not unique to Yammer. No, it's not. That's why I didn't mention Yammer as a product when I said that. Um, so also, SharePoint is the worst product when it comes to that. The worst. Oh, no, no so, so like we it. can start, you can start a business. We were actually going to start a YouTube channel um, modeled on Gordon Ramsay's um, kitchen nightmares called SharePoint Nightmares, specifically <laughs> to follow companies that we knew were really bad at trying to deliver what people call intranets and extranets and every other nets. And that failed dismally at it. And one of the things we had to do was, 
uh, don't call it SharePoint. Give it a name so that when it fails, because it will fail, you can change the name and not the product, and people will assume that it's a different product. So SharePoint's always been ugly. It's still ugly. Um, what they've done with the stuff in uh, SharePoint Online, much better. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But SharePoint on-prem still, I, I can't look at it because it, it's it's like, no. It's like when you were four and you ran into your grandmother and she grabbed your cheeks. That feeling oh. of, don't touch me, please. Um, <laughs> Very polite child as four-year-old. What happened? <laughs> the Yama happened. <laughs> about Teams was so complimentary, and now you're such a fan of SharePoint. Uh, I'm just like, oh, okay, you you are a Microsoft MVP. I'm Switzerland um, right now. I'm you know, Switzerland. I, I I'm very oh, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, part of the thing, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to drag us back for a moment to Yammer and Teams. Yeah. Because you wrote a wonderful blog post on Teams. I can't recommend it enough just because, you know, this is something where anytime Microsoft pushes out something new and it's still in its shiny honeymoon phase, we tend to get a little bit overexcited and talk about it as the future of work. And I would like to really encourage us all to maybe try to get past that adolescent phase more and more quickly with every iteration. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Teams is I am a fan of Teams. We have it turned on. We haven't done broad announcements, you know, and trying to roll it out. But um, we already have Teams using Teams and enjoying Teams. And I am already severely lobbying the the Microsoft developer community inside the company, basically saying that I want a Yammer option. You know, Teams has that little plus tab where you can click over in within Teams to another view, you know, from another product within um, Microsoft Stable. And right now, Yammer's missing. No, it's not. Which is is only... There is one. Yeah. You can go grab the code for it. It's on GitHub. Guillaume wrote, uh, Meyer wrote that wonderful code. The thing is, is it ought to be a native solution. But you know what? If if they had actually included that in the in the first version as it ought to be, then they would have avoided slapping us in the face, and I wouldn't have known what to do with that. So the but, thing is, is you know, um, Teams is is really wonderful because as a Yammer community manager for three years, I've been hearing people tell me that they want to nest Yammer groups. Have you been you been hearing that, Becky? Um, you know, we're, I, we're yeah, part- yeah. They call it related groups, but yeah, yeah, they want to do that. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that yeah. they come to you and they say, I want, I, I want, I like our Yammer group, but it's it's really broad. It's that community of interest or something like that. I really want a focused space where um, I can just pursue this one little deliverable with my with my team. And I've always told them, well, we can't nest Yammer groups, but we've got this function called related groups. Can I interest yeah. you in that? And that's always been weak tea, right? That's That sucks. Sometimes, and yeah. Sometimes is, they go away. Yeah. So the thing is, the thing about a team is um, teams for teaming, if they can get the solution right size and they can figure out some of those points you raise in your blog, Alistair, is going to be awesome. But the teaming channels should have the Yammer and the Plus tab because any high-performing teaming channel should still plug back into either a larger project, a larger community of interest, or the larger company context because ain't nobody, nobody working in a team, I don't care how blindingly brilliant they are, that knows the entire universe of stakeholders in the company that can add value to that deliverable, or the universe of stakeholders who can grab that deliverable and provide value for the company somewhere else. Completely agree with right. uh, the last the last sentence around um, the concept of discovery when it comes to Yammer, definitely. Uh, but 
if we had if if Microsoft had to add the little tab that says okay, grab your Yammer your Yammer feed. So how, where do I, it, it becomes like a OneDrive for business versus, what did I say? Yeah, yeah. So where do you put your documents? Do you put it in files or you put it in OneDrive? Mm-hmm. It still boils down to training. I mean, the product's great. I, I think Teams, Teams is a product that should be able to displace Slack in Microsoft companies. Hmm. So don't use Slack, use Teams. Oh, look, there's a whole bunch of other features that come with it. Uh, content storage, meh, 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 all of those things. That's great. But honestly, I think they should have just expanded what Yammer does and built Teams into Yammer. Um, just mm. makes more sense to me. Uh, but Yeah, that's that- going to happen because it's a different user interface and a different kind of focus. You know, the thing that's made Slack so energized out there is there's there's a real appetite for that um, that chat you know, sort of velocity, sticker, bot-driven type experience. And Yammer for three years, and Becky will, will tell you this, we've had to push back hard on, um, com- you know, like company leaders that can't take Yammer seriously simply because it's social, right? We've had to push back on people's urge to gamify the interface because that means that our enterprise leaders will no longer take this seriously as a platform, and they won't give it resources, and they won't take part, they won't give it time of day. So I think there's room in the Microsoft stable to let all these horses run and just kind of compete and see where it all nets out as far as what tools people adopt. And that's partly why I feel like it's it's up to people like us Yammer MVPs to say, hey, where we see areas of real possible synchronicity. I see teams in Yammer, if both of them can get their heads out of various portions of their anatomy, I see this as just an amazing potential synchronicity. But again, it's going to be up to the, the stakeholders like us and companies to drive it because it's not going to happen on its own. So I used the same flair and eloquence um, writing the People versus Yammer blog post. <laughs> you didn't like that one, but you liked my team, that team's post. Oh, what you did was you, you, you basically had a bunch of MVPs whining that they were served Yammertinis, man. But we this were. Is, this is something where... I I will tell you, Alistair, you know this better than I do, and that is that a year is a lifetime in the current cloud-based environment. A year is a lifetime. So get over the drinks two years ago. Just get over it. Yeah, we'll try to refactor the code and see what happens. Anyhow, Mm. so top five tips for embracing Yammer. Uh, Mal, you go first. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, Recognize a universe of stakeholders. Um, everyone from your leadership team to their administrative assistants to project leaders to your communication core um, to all of your different tool and process owners and community of interest. Number two, uh, consider something like a helpful campaign, uh, something where you have some sort of a prize. We gave away a GoPro, and we basically said, hey, if you drop the helpful hashtag on your post anywhere in Yammer that offers helpful information to the community at large, you're going to be in the drawing for this GoPro. And that helps everyone build a skill of realizing that they do know something helpful to contribute. Number three, um, embrace having a photography group. Embrace having a break room group. Um, give people a place to go with those purely social sort of things so that it doesn't clutter up your business groups or your all-company feed. Number four, constant resources. You need to have a community manager. You need to build um, a champion core of all of your power users so that you can start to push out and decentralize the work of managing and governing your, um, your Gamma network. Five, 
Integrate it like crazy into all of your company events and communications. I know that early on, Yammer pushed back as Yammer being just another communication channel. And the fact of the matter, it is a hella effective communication channel. And communication is an ongoing company need. Done. Great. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Becky, your turn. All right. I may overlap a little bit. Uh, definitely, number one, leadership buy-in. Without it, it's probably not going to fly. Uh, number two, use cases in the beginning and at even during your whole Yammer journey, you may have to think for people and tell them what use they can make out of it. Point things out. Sit them down. Train one-on-one. Train in small groups. The nurturing never really ends. Uh, at some points, you may be able to pull back a bit. So it's not constant, constant, constant. But, you know, this is not a set it and forget it thing, and nor should it be. Uh, three, don't push it if you don't have to. Encourage, entice, inveigle. You know, we by keeping our stuff opt-in, we actually have everyone in the company on our network. And then the customer side, we've got that great engagement figure. And speaking of external networks, I'm going to give that to number four. Uh, you can bill it as an exclusive feature for your customers, and you nurture it just as you would your employee network. I mean, it's all, it's just, it's really all about having conversations. You're just having it online. And five, uh, see, celebrate achievements. What happens offline? Get it online. Reflect it. Help people see who they work with beyond a job title and job description and cube number. And you'll start to see people just doing it on their own without any prompting from you. And that's when you can take that day and rest. (laughs) All right, ladies, we're hitting the top of the hour. Um, Our podcasts are generally not longer than 53 minutes. (laughs) And we are really, without the introductions or in the news that we normally do, um, we're hitting the better part of 48 minutes. We still need some time. And, And Rod doesn't edit a lot out, so... Mel, how do people get a hold of you um, on the Twitter Rotties and, and those things? Oh, yeah. I, I, I spend way too much time on Twitter, so that's probably easiest. And I'm also out there and easy to find on LinkedIn. Okay, but they should search for your name and your surname and then figure out that it's your surname with the number three, which is your Twitter handle. Exactly. Okay. Becky, you're a little <laughs> bit easier than that. Um <laughs> a little bit. Uh, LinkedIn, definitely full name. Oh. Twitter, it's uh, Becky B. Benishek. Oh, yeah. B. Benishek. B. Benishek. Well, yeah, my, my handle's Becky B, but B. Benishek. Okay. Um, you will also see author posts on there. I, I do a mix of things now. Um, and the Microsoft Tech community as well. I think those are the three main places. All right. Ladies, thank you so much for spending time with me on this call. Um, it's invaluable the information that we've shared with everyone, and we hope that our listeners enjoy it. Thank, Thank you. you very much. This was great. Oh, yeah. Always, always a pleasure, man. Cool. Thanks for coming on the cast. Yeah, I had to, I had to eventually shut them up. <laughs> well, people are excited about the Microsoft stack. That's always a good thing. Yeah, they... <laughs> In a mail, they they refer to themselves as um, recreational IT users. <laughs> Just so funny. <laughs> That's what they call themselves. Yeah, no, we're recreational IT users. Um, so we're not really as technical as you other things because uh, the topic of um, the whole, oh, well, we're we MVPs, but uh, we don't do techie stuff. Uh, that all, we have to dispel the myth around that. Anyhow, moving on to our... In the news. What you got for us first there, El? So, have you seen the debacle today around this direct reports for uh, groups um, that that kicked off? Uh, there was mentioned like, I think like four days ago and then 
boom, and then it broke today, and people, Microsoft are backtracking around this auto-creation thing, so um, it will create direct reports for group thingies. I'm, I don't know half the time what it is, but uh, Microsoft sort of recanted and said, okay, no, let's, let's rethink before we just release. Um, and there was a lot of noise on Twitter about it. So grabbing direct reports so that you could look at who your managers were and all of these things, and it wasn't thought out properly because you need Azure AD and there's attributes that need to be populated. And by default, Azure AD, if you don't have the right AD metadata structure, doesn't tell you who your manager is and blah, 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 and the list goes on. And a, a, a gentleman by the name of Serge did a great post today on it, and it's to be expected you roll out products so fast that you don't realize that sometimes it should not be rolled out because there was huge uproar. So everyone that was worried about these direct reports for groups in, in Outlook, don't worry about it. It's not coming through. It's limited and uh, it's going to take time to do. On the other part of that is that site mailboxes are almost a thing of the past. Almost. I thought they'd been, I thought they'd been, I thought they'd gone out entirely. I think they're finally pulling it now. Um, there was noise on the Twitter rotties from old Vlad talking, how can Microsoft do this? They didn't give us enough notice. And they gave us notice since like Jan or something. Yeah, it does It does mean some big restructuring if you are using those. Um, you, you'll have, I suppose, if that is required functionality, you'll have to base it around a group, yeah. an Office, an 0365 group, and then all the attachments will get stored in the library there. Look, it, 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 I, it was an abomination to begin with. Yeah, it's a bit of a kludge, certainly. You know why they created it, eh? Why? So the old GroupWise had, I think it was a shared mailbox. Um, we dealt with a customer in the financial services industry that moved from GroupWise and I think, was it GroupWise or was it Notes? One of the two, I can't remember exactly. I think it was GroupWise. And they had their call center agents receive emails to a shared mailbox. So no one got their own accounts. They all just used the shared mailbox. And when uh, we did the migration from, it was Notes and GroupWise to Exchange, first thing they said, well, where's our mailboxes? I shared mailboxes. And it looks as if Microsoft went, well, hey, we'll give you site mailboxes. Oh, by the way, uh, for this to work, you need SharePoint as well. So so that's the, the sordid history. And I'd love to know how many people actually used site mailboxes or how many companies would Microsoft be able to say, well, out of the 247,000 million gazillion uh, tenants or SharePoint people that we have, we're just going to pull this feature. Boom, sorry about that, guys. Moving on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was used a hell of a lot. It was, it was a nice solution for getting attachments into SharePoint. No, you man. could CC the 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 library on the mail, and and they'd push through there. No, but that you still have though. So site mailboxes was a feature uh, that sat on top of Exchange that uses that used SharePoint that we never ever switched on. So the mail to library functionality is still available on prem. There was never a mail to library oh, function right. in yes, SharePoint in online. Yeah. yeah. And that's where groups come from. Now you've got groups, you can do that with groups because of the integration into team sites. Yeah. Um, so but there was that little feature that always sat near the bottom um <laughs> of never your got site. It never got activated because just to configure it, I remember sitting 
when they first released it, um, I think it was still in our beta. It was a beta two of SharePoint 2013. And I had Nicholas Blank, who's an exchange MCM, and we were trying to get it configured in one of these environments, and it was just an abomination. Okay. So what you got next for us in the news, Al? Teams, teams, more teams, teams, and a whole bunch of bullshit teams. That's all we have. So it's now it's not bullshit. And yeah, Microsoft are doing a big push about teams in, in all their marketing recently. It's almost as bad as Yammer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> said with a tongue Shame, they were nice. They were nice enough to come on the podcast for us, Al, and you're still oh. talking oh. BS. I could talk. Uh, yeah. So teams are on by default. Um, you now have the icon in the ribbon. And then the app launcher, this is the button now. Um, you'll have to switch it off manually, which quite a few people have started doing as well. Um, so that's, yeah, it's not only gone GA, you can go create teams at your leisure, which is kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the self-service collaboration path of the future, right? Well, that's the scary thing. I wrote a post about... Uh, about the governance challenges with all these new tools. Well, specifically with Teams. So Teams sits on top of groups, which sits on top of sites. So you go spin up a team and then, okay, so where do I put my content? Do I click on the OneDrive button in Teams or do I put it under the Files tab? And um, Where do I put it? And also now new training. So we've got to train everyone and there's no content types. And it sticks everything in the shared documents library that ships with a team site. You know, and where's the information architecture? Because I create a team; it can literally exist anywhere. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's an IA nightmare. I think I called it the content black hole. You know, with um, what brain farts and information methane. Um, those are the terms that I used. Yeah, but it's 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 hair raising. Um, yeah, it certainly is a little worrying from our perspective. Um, we'll we'll have to come up with ways to pull this content in after the fact, I think. Because teams are very much, to me, they're very much uh, process-focused. Yeah. So I'd, once that process is complete, that content then gets, for lack of a better word, archived somewhere. Um, and the policies yeah. around that need to be quite strong. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. It's it's brand spanking new, you know. It's a shiny new toy. Everyone wants to play with it, and then a wheel falls off. <laughs> so, so let's see how that goes. Uh, next in it, um, in the, the new stuff, um, you've got some stuff there, Martin. Yes, um, Microsoft announced that there will be a SharePoint Virtual Summit on May the sixteenth. They're giving us lots of warning. Um, and in that summit, they're going to update the roadmaps for SharePoint and OneDrive. So that's going to be quite an important one for all of us in the industry. And if you're running SharePoint, to keep abreast on what's coming up, specifically in 0365 and with the on-prem versions and all that sort of loveliness. I think it yeah. starts around 7 p.m. our time uh, I'm, and will go I'm to about sure. 9.30 yeah, Jeff Tipper once again, um, grabbing the bull by the horns. Uh, it's a year since uh, May the 4th when SharePoint became cool again. And um, in the same vein, they're doing the same same bits of information shipping to us. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the last time they did this, there was a lot of information and a lot of really exciting stuff. Oh, crazy. So we're going to have, a, we're gonna have a, a big episode that week breaking down exactly oh, what yeah. happened. 
out. So also, just on the back of that, all this new stuff. So Flow has now got integration into document libraries. Yes. Um, which um, doesn't which sound great. new, but it is. Yeah. yeah, and it's that's super important as well. Um, you want to be working with documents and not just list items and such in your flows, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but where still is it not, all still going? Not quite, uh, still not quite a an enterprise level workflow tool, but no, it is getting not. getting better, I suppose. So that's quite interesting. Uh, you can scar the interwebs and have a look at what people are actually doing with Flow and Power Apps. More so Flow. Um, there's some tight integrations going on. Guys, like in the old days when people wouldn't spend money on, on SharePoint Server and you gave a company WSS or, or Search Server and six months later you come back and you'll be amazed what they built out of the box, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that using the out-of-the-box out of the box tools, you can make some, re some really special things. The, the, the tool set is not quite as robust in flow as I'd like. But you can certainly make use of it. For sure. Something you can't make use of, or some people weren't able to make use of, um, were the Microsoft's online services. So Outlook.com, OneDrive, um, all of these this past week um, had another, service, uh, another server outage. So this is the second one in the last few weeks. Um, it was an intermittent issue. So if it, was, it was, again, something to do with their authentication. Um, they went through the logs and managed to, I assume, figure out a fix because everybody's back up and running now. But it was an intermittent issue, so you could refresh a few times and get lucky and, and connect through. But that was a little worrying. Um, they did jump on it quite quickly and, and get it back up as, as soon as they could, obviously. But how does but that, that is certainly a thing, and we have to we have to be aware of. Oh, they were touting that they were having four nines for the last five months or something like that um, in the availability. I mean, this must have surely um, knocked down one or two nines on the numbers that they were touting. Yeah, oh, that's rough, eh? But you, I suppose you tempt fate. What can oh, you do? Uh, Murphy's Law. An untempting fate for everyone that's been moving across to Mac, the cult of the Mac. Um, there's a new Outlook 2016 touch bar feature for Mac. Well, actually more than one feature. Ah, so for those who don't know, um, the MacBook Airs and the MacBook Pros, you could spend, I think it's an extra 7,000 Rand or something and get this little light up panel. I think we spoke about it. Yes, I compared it to the old HP or Dell machines. We spoke about it last week, yeah. Now you've got this thing that lights up and there's a whole bunch of features uh, specifically for Outlook 2016. Um, you can accomplish a ton of new tasks or accomplish tasks much easier. It's like trying to... Most Mac users learned the shortcut keys and now they're giving you shortcut keys in the little thing on the top. It's available at, from the Office Store. Just uh, find the Outlook add-ins. And now this thing lights up like a Christmas tree when you want to do crazy things. It's a personalizable bookmark bar, uh, function key bar at the top of the machine. So they're rolling that out for for Office Functions, which is cool. And they jumped on that quickly, which is really good. They must yeah. have had advanced warning of those, hey, uh, in order probably. to get I it up there quickly. Be. And I, I think they're showing a lot of love to Mac users, uh, specifically in the space. I mean, before 
Office 2016, the last version of Office that Mac users got was uh, 2011, and that was god awful. Yeah, well, that was before Microsoft shifted their priorities, right? Now it's Office everywhere. No matter where, no matter where you're computing, Microsoft's Microsoft wants you to be using the Microsoft stack, which makes sense because it is the best suite of productivity tools. For sure, we actually had a discussion about uh, if you go G Drive, great. Uh, look, it's only five dollars a user. Oh, look, you have no internet connection. Sorry, you can't use the product. <laughs> Ridiculousness. But what's next, Modlin? You've got a bit here about Microsoft Bookings. Have you used Microsoft Bookings, Al? I haven't because I don't have an Office 365 Business Premium license. So it doesn't appear in my two E3 tenants. I haven't looked at it. Well, I haven't worked with it, uh, but it's... And it was also only available in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. So what, what is this exactly? So uh, bookings is supposed to replace the way you book meetings. It's so much instead richer. of sending somebody an email saying, we're, we're meeting now, you'd go through this instead. Yeah, you've got a rich, rich interface. Um, the nice thing about it is there's a ton of stuff that you can do around appointments. You can also look at buffering um, travel time and all of those things. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, it's really neat. And now everyone can do all of this. And it's available for iOS and Android. And you can customize a booking page, uh, change colors and availability. So a lot of companies have been using other apps to check your free busy time. Um, I actually have quite a few guys that I've scheduled sessions with that had their free busy time. So you go in and Andrew Connell was one of them. Uh, I forget what it was called, uh, Stoffs. I, I can't remember what it was, but I could literally see his calendar. He sent me a link, and I could select when I wanted to see him, and that's how we scheduled the meeting, um, which is actually quite neat. So now you have that yeah, super function from uh, bookings. So you could uh, look at buffering times. Uh, people can't book. So if think about it. If you were running a tattoo parlor, uh, you could have people book their sessions and also put in some buffer time between so that people can't book you back to back from 10 to 11, 11 to 12. So it's actually quite neat. Very cool. You got any other news for us, Al? Yeah, the last, the last of the Microsoft stuff, uh, just a huge congratulations. So Outlook Mobile turns two today. Yeah. And it's a good program, hey? It's, it's working well for me on my Android, at least. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it works. That's that's what you want, right? Oh, I actually have no idea what I use on my phone. Um, I don't think it's Outlook. Anyhow, so moving along swiftly because we're going to be running out of time, our new find of the week. Uh, it's not a new find. Well, it's not a new product. It's a new find inside of an old product. So today I sat with the Nintix guys, uh, taking us through uh, all the new releases from last month. Was it last month, Feb? Their global, annual global Nintix conference, which will no longer be called Nintix Inspire X because Microsoft kind of bought the word Inspire from them. So next year, they'll have a different name. They had over 700 people there. And the best thing to come out of Nintex since Nintex is the new responsive forms engine that we'll be rolling out. I think it's called Project Zinc. Um, they've got one for on-prem first. So second, so we should start seeing it next month rolling out. So on-prem, then 
Office 365, and then Nintex Workflow Cloud. Um, I am very excited about it because it's it's so nice, so nice. Um, yes, each version is a little bit different. Um, it's the same engine, but tweaked for on-prem versus Office 365 versus what you can do inside the cloud. And they've also added a plethora of other features. So if have you worked with Nintex Hawkeye? No, I haven't actually um been able to implement that at at a client it looks super cool though it's only on the online versions though hey the cloud version Hawkeye runs in the cloud yes um the server sits in the cloud but you can add uh, milestones i forget the name now you just drag it on so you drag it onto your your workflow canvas and it's a counter of sorts but what they also been doing so let's say you've got this rich analytics coming out of Hawkeye for all new workflows. If you've got 100 workflows, you're not going to go retrofit 100 workflows with these milestones to measure your workflow so you can check your productivity. Um, they've, they've got an analytics engine in the alpha stage. I think it was called Time Control or Time Machine or something, where using the power of Power BI, it will be able to sniff your old workflows and instance instantiations of said workflows and give you some really really cool dashboarding and reporting and what you can then do is you can say well so what's the opportunity cost associated with performing this task because staff worker a cost me a hundred rand an hour so it's taken him three and a half hours and blah on all of this and you can get rich analytics using power bi on top of this analytics engine which is awesome yeah that's really cool it's good to um, show return on investment on anything you might be building and also very good to streamline processes once they're in place. You can identify where the, where the holes are and where you should be concentrating on yeah, look, uh, improving for, those processes. They've always had reports. Um, nothing is rich. I mean, the, those rudimentary reports where you add a report to uh, add the web part to the web page and you could select the reports and it will generate some some analytics, but it was very rudimentary in its build. Um, yeah. And I'm glad to see that uh, Nintex is pushing hard in the space. I mean, they've got to keep up because Microsoft will just crush them with power apps and flow. <laughs> yeah, got to keep on the ball, hey? Yeah, that's good. If you've got a healthy competition, it, it makes you competitive with your product set. Yeah, only works better for us as the consumers of these products. For sure. And that's my new product of the week. Sweet. Then our last segment is um, the PowerShell commandlet of the week. And the commandlet this week is enable SP business data catalog entity, which sounds super complicated and really cool. And what it actually does is it, uh, it activates an external content type in the BDC, the business data connectivity service. So, 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 I don't understand why they still call it um, the data catalog when it changed. Like in twenty thirteen already, it was called a, a BCS, not BDC. Yes, that that might be me uh, scrambling the terms here, but it's effectively the same thing. Um, no, they still they create... still refer to it as BDC. Yeah, it's not Madness. you, mate. That's still <laughs> them. They re oh no, have you, have you checked the external content type of BDC? I'm going, but didn't you change it in 2013 to BCS? Oh, okay, so why do you still have PowerShell commandlets referring to BDC? 
anyway, you can use this one to activate external content types. If um, for if if you're dealing with lots of them, you can with uh, PowerShell enable and disable these, um, activate them, create new ones, um, assign all their particulars, and this will be part of that process. So another simple one for this week. Uh, is there a parameter that says forward slash all? Because I hate BDC. <laughs> no, you do have to pass in an identity. You can, though, um, do a get to get all of the all of the entities, and then you can push that in. You can put it into a into an array or a catalog, and then you can run through each one and use one of these to enable or disable it. So, using PowerShell, you can build that up. It's not a it's not a single commandlet. You'd have to build a bit of a script for that sort of work. Okay. Yeah. So the usual parameters: get, enable, give it a name, whatever it is. Yeah. Shit. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining me this week, Al. I always a pleasure, Mr. Wadlin. You know, I love this. If I could do it every day for the rest of my life, I would. Yeah, me too. And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us this week as well. If you want to find us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. You can also find us on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm at oddmodlin, and Al is... I'm at Alistair Pugent. So thank you all again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Also, you can please leave us a comment on iTunes. We really would like a review of what we say every week. <laughs> so you're doing it this week. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Cheers, cheers, Mr. Model. It's been great. Chat to you soon. Cheers, Al. <laughs>